So we, uh, I just didn't want to forget to do that. Um, we watched a two-minute clip, very, very short clip of an experiment that was done, and it was three people that were acting like shepherds of a flock. So there was a flock out uh, in the pasture, and three people who you could tell all thought it was really funny to do it this way because they were all laughing the whole time they were doing it. But they're trying to call the sheep. And like one person, you know, there were three of them, and one person did something, and it was one sheep that kind of looked up like, really? You know, and that was about it. You know, there was no no attention paid. Then the shepherd, uh, we could hear, you know, the shepherd stood up. So they had the three that weren't. And then when the shepherd uh, stood up and, uh, you know, went to the, to the gate, uh, to the fencing, and started calling the sheep, you see the heads pop up. And you start the she the sheep starting to make noise, and then they all there. It seemed like you could only see maybe 15, 20 of them, and then it's like ninety of them just whoa, and they come in and they come right up to. I mean, they're way off, and they they come right up to the shepherd right at the fence. And have, has, have you guys seen this before? You ha you have to look at it. Do sheep only obey uh, their uh, master's voice or something like that? It's right on YouTube, and um, it was it was really neat to see. Those sheep come up, and it wasn't like they just kind of came up obediently. Like they were excited. They heard their shepherd's voice, and they were all excited. And they rushed to him, and um, and he was excited to see them. That he had to kind of go. You can see him go off camera, and then he's walking with them. And you see all the sheep instead of running to him, they all get behind him and start following him. And there's so such a powerful lesson in that two minute video that I couldn't not share it. Um, the only question I had was when to share it, and I ended up doing it like right after, right in the middle of the lesson. But it, it seemed to be the right spot, um, uh, and uh, but it was it was a blessing to watch that. And uh, as we're we're studying, you know, who he is as the shepherd and who we are as the sheep, and uh, realizing even back in those days, the Lord's <coughs> speaking <coughs> that he has a flock. And, uh, you know, Israel would understand that to be them. But then he goes on to say that there's, a, you know, a, a flock that he's going to bring into the fold that uh, that's going to be a shock to them. And he's talking about us, the Gentiles, you know, that the sheep that are not of this uh, of this uh, flock or of this fold and um, he, that he brings us into the same flock. And uh, it was it was a blessing to study that together. I know it was for me. Um it's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and uh, uh, it's a it, just because it's talking about how well the shepherd knows us. That he says it says in there uh, that Jesus said that you know I call my sheep by name, you know that he knows them and he calls them by name, and that they know him and they know his voice. There's so much in that uh, about just a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, that it's it's profoundly um, uh, changed my understanding of who he is and who I am in his eyes. Um, we're sheep. Sheep are prone to wander. Um, and he is the good shepherd that's faithful with his staff, with that with that shepherding hook there to no, come back over here, get uh, get over here to bring us back and, and to and to keep us in the pen. Um, I shared also this morning that um, I was listening to Chuck Smith on the way down, and um, I was blessed to hear him. He said that, uh, I don't remember what I shared this morning, but I'll share what's in my mind now. 
he was talking about this shepherd <clears throat> that was saying that uh, uh, there was there was the there was this like a three wall area um, and you know small entrance where a door would be and there was no door and, and as the shepherd saying you know he'd call them and the sheep would go in and then he'd sleep at the door and he's, where's the door I am the door you know and and it was just it, there's just so much. Uh, just a, a powerful lesson in that all. So it, go listen to Chuck Smith on it. Uh, I'm sure he'll be so blessed. Uh, you know, I'll, I can get through it and everything. But a man that spent, I don't know, 60, 70 years teaching the scriptures has a, a, had an amazing way of relaying that information. And um, so I was blessed by it. And uh, just just the, um, the uh, illustrations that we can draw from uh, what Jesus was saying and, and to understand that the crowd didn't even understand that basic illustra illustration that he was talking about something spiritual versus physical. So uh, um, uh, if you were here this morning, then you're hearing the, uh, some of the same things, but we're actually going in. I, I didn't time all this. This is just kind of where we ended up in our study. You guys know how this works sometimes. And, um, and the Lord led me to Psalm 23 um, in my study. So we shared that this morning. And, and here we are again tonight looking at Psalm 23. It's only six verses, but man, is it jam-packed with great, just great content. Um, and if we get to 24, which I'm fairly certain we have an hour <laughs> from now, we should get through six verses, and, and uh, but we're not in a race. And uh, <clears throat> so we've prayed, and we'll get into... Psalm 23. Now it starts, uh, a, a subtitle here just says a Psalm of David. And uh, we discussed this morning that David was king of Israel, but prior to becoming king, his job in the family was to be a shepherd. So this was a king that understand stood the highest point of responsibility in the nation and the lowest point of responsibility in the nation. The, the shepherds were the, the stinky guys. We talked about this this morning. They were the stinky guys. They're out with the sheep. They're not necessarily, you know, uh, just in an office using, uh, you know, photocopier and, and, you know, any of that type of stuff that we might look at, you know, uh, you know back in that, that day. They, these guys are, are out. They're, they're uh, you know, hanging out under trees if they can find some good shade. And, you know, they're, they're going out. They're in the elements. And uh, no doubt at times um, getting a little bit of, uh, of some stink on them, you know, and some dirt on them. And they were they were very much blue collar workers. So this man, David, um, that's that was his job in the family. And uh, we talked about it. Uh, and so I'm just going to stop saying we talked about it this morning. And just if you've heard it, you know, we talked about it this morning. But uh, Samuel, when the Lord sent him because Israel was demanding a king, uh, Israel was given Saul, the guy that was head and shoulders above everybody, good-looking guy, everybody you thought would be the king. Um, but the Lord said that he had anointed another one to be king, and that was David. And uh, when Samuel went to the house of Jesse, uh, Jesse presented all of his sons to Samuel, and uh, Saul and Saul, uh, sorry, Samuel said, "You know, it's it's none of these. Is there another?" I'm like, oh, it's just you mean David. The guy out tending the sheep, like you serious? You know that guy, and you know we'll bring him in. And uh, as soon as he walks in, Samuel knew. So, understanding where David came from, 
that he came uh, with the background of the most humble job of a shepherd and finds out that, you know, hey, you're going to be king someday. You know, that that's that's quite a, he didn't expect that when he woke up and ate his cornflakes in the morning and uh, take the sheep and go out for, for the walk out to the pasture. Uh, but the Lord had plans for him. And uh, so David, uh, in describing some of the things that he had to face uh, while a shepherd is, is talking to King Saul when they're out uh, as, as standing against the Philistines and uh, Goliath is out running his mouth and blaspheming God and, and making fun of the Israelites. And um, David had been sent by his father to bring a gift to his brothers and to be able to come back and give his, his dad a, an update on, hey, how, how are your brothers doing? And uh, David gets there and he's automatically offended. Like, who is this guy? And why is he blaspheming my God? And he's like, no, no, this isn't going to keep happening. He goes to King uh, King Saul and says, you know, I, uh, um, I'll i go fight him. And uh, uh, we know the story. He, he couldn't wear the armor. It's too big, too heavy. But uh, there's a conversation between Saul and David. And uh, David says, hey, when I was a shepherd, uh, I had to defend the flock from bear and lions. And uh, when they would try to take the, the, the sheep, uh, I just let them take them. No, it's not the case at all, was it? He said, no, I went and I'd strike the bear and the lion and he'd kill them and get that sheep back. You know, that guy took his job very seriously, his responsibility as a leader of that flock very, very uh, seriously. So when we look at Psalm 23, it's a beautiful psalm of, of peace that we have with it as we're walking with God and understanding there's nothing to fear that, that God has us in his hand. But to understand who wrote it and when he's writing these things, that he understands what it is to be a shepherd and what it is to be a sheep. And so David said, starts off by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So he automatically puts himself in the position of a sheep, the one that will wander, the one that needs to be led constantly, that needs to be protected. And he automatically identifies God as his shepherd and, and, and humbles himself you know, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up, right? The scripture says, <clears throat> David understands that. He understands that as a man in authority, uh, that, that God is the authority over him. So when he declares that God is his shepherd, uh, that's a powerful statement coming from a, a mighty uh, and, and a king that's, that had a, a track record of, of being a warrior. You know, but then he likens himself to the most vulnerable of animals. That has the, the sheep has no, you know, defense mechanism other than to bite with, uh, you know, dull teeth. You know, so it might, ow, that might hurt. But uh, to anything that wants to devour it, you're not going to be able to run. You guys ever seen? And I, I, uh, try not to laugh. I know sheep and goats are different, but you ever seen a fainting goat video? Yeah, yeah, they're hilarious. Because they don't have any way to protect themselves. And somebody, because goats like to jump on things, videotaped their goat passing, <laughs> passing out on top of one of those kitty slides and sliding down it. And it's just stiff. You know, they, they, it, it's, it's one of those scared stiff things, you know. And, and a sheep is much the same as far as uh, there's nothing that they can do but 
blat and 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 cry out. That's all they can do. They're they're not gonna, they're not fast. Um, uh, you know, they might be able to run and, and hit you, but to, right, yeah. But uh, to any any uh, real threat, uh, when you're talking bear, lion, wolves, there there's no competition. You know, those things are ready for it, and so. David says, I am, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord said in John 10 that he says, I came to give them life, that they may have life, and that uh, they'd have it more abundantly. And obviously, instead of the er earthly abundance that unfortunately uh, the, the um, American-type gospel that's out there right now is that means that you know, your house is going to get paid for and everything. You're going to have gold and you're going to have the best car and that you know you're going to dress. It, it, it's sad. It's it's we can we can kind of chuckle at it, but it, it's it's it really is sad that much of the church is is right reeled into that that God. I can't even call it a gospel. That doctrine. I'm not calling that a, doc, a gospel at all. Um, cause that's not good news. That's fake news. Um, and, uh, but when, when David is saying, uh, here, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he goes on to say, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters, uh, to be able to go to green pastures, that, that life that the Lord has to us in the spiritual sense that, that those green pastures, that good food that we can chew on, that we have the word. Uh, the, the word is is our food, and it's quite a pasture we have. This is a big book, and there's a lot of content in here, and it, it is more than capable to satisfy uh, every need that we have. And uh, to understand, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Now, green pasture, uh, it, it will describe you know good food to take in, and those still waters are calming. You know, it doesn't say he leads me to the waterfall where I'm going to fall off the cliff. You know, we would automatically understand that as impending doom, right? But this is, he leads me beside the still waters, those still waters. You know, when, I don't know about you, but I always appreciate, um, I love going to uh, ponds and lakes and just looking. It's, calm, it's, it's almost like sitting near a campfire, you know, when you can just kind of, you don't have to be looking at anything. You just look out and you see the sun glistening off off the water and, um, you know, take out the, the, the speedboat and, you know, all those things going around. But when you can get there, especially early in the morning and the glass, it just looks like glass out there. And, you know, to look at that and understand what a peaceful time. And what David is saying is that, you know, the Lord provides everything that I need and he gives me the peace that I need in my life. Now, if you consider the job that he has, he always has to make sure that he can trust the people around him. Uh, he was constantly dealing with uh, those loved ones that would turn their back on him. His son did it. Um, you know, he loved Saul, and Saul did it. And you know, he he lived a a life of of battles. And um, some of them, uh, some of the 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 strain he had in his life, he brought on himself. And he's he pours himself out in these psalms as we read. But uh, he understands that the Lord as a shepherd leads him. It says, uh, he leads me beside the still waters. God brings me to that peaceful place uh, that I can rest in him and have that peace. Um, the, the great thing is, is that spiritually we can be by those still waters 
when there's war raging around us, right? Where you can consider um, a scripture like uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, you know, be anxious for nothing but in all things, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, you know, that with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guide your guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Those that's really important because when that that scripture is saying be anxious for nothing. Why? Because we get anxious for things. So while the craziness is going on, we can go to the Lord in thanksgiving and trust in him and understand that as we go to him in thanksgiving and we lift our request to him that his peace that surpasses anything we can understand guards our hearts and our minds. You know, that says here that he leads me besides the still waters. Besides, David would lead his sheep to the good pasture and a good drinking water. He knew what this meant. So when David is writing this, he's writing this from personal life experience and what he would do for his, his sheep, he knows God does for him. This is it's if we slow down and we look and we look in the backstory of this, there's so much meat in Psalm 23. It's six verses, but wow, is it powerful? You know, when we consider where it comes from. Verse three says, He restores my soul, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He restores my soul. We all have needed the ultimate restoration in our life to be brought to salvation. And then there are times where we get stupid and we do things that we shouldn't because we're disobedient and we're like sheep and go astray that the Lord has to correct us. He grabs that shepherd, uh, the staff, and, and with the hook side or with the, the others, whack, what are you doing? And he, he's faithful to, ch to chastise us and, and to bring us back, to pull us back into um, into uh, the sheep pen uh, where we're supposed to be. I remember years ago, I just had this discussion after church this morning, but uh, years ago, a coworker who, uh, who attended Calvary Chapel in Orrington, um, and I knew that this individual had um, <clears throat> great teaching in her life. And I uh, worked with her, and, um, you know, we both knew we were Christians. We attended different Calvary chapels and everything, but... Um, there was a discussion that was happening, and I'm like, "You want to go do what in your life?" And, and she, we had that, that uh, and we worked every day together for ten years. So uh, right across the, you know, we worked right. Uh, my office was here, hers was there, and and so you know that's not where you're supposed to do as a sheep, right? You know, we could have that open conversation. So we are supposed to stay in the sheep pen. When we get out of the sheep pen, life gets crazy, and thing bad things happen. And, and we start wandering from the shepherd. We had that conversation. I know, you know, it was, uh, it, it was, and I'm not trying to put her in a bad light and me in a good light. I'm just say, saying that conversation was one that's marked in my mind and in, in, in my heart uh, as, a, as a reminder um, that, that uh, we as sheep want to go astray. We have it in our hearts um, and uh, that we'd ask the Lord to bind us to him that we wouldn't be able to stray and uh, that he would keep us close to him. It says he restores my soul when we've, uh, and, and that, that can be, uh, it, it says he, he leads me in the paths of his righteousness for his name's sake. You know, when we are, excuse me, bearing the name of Christ 
as Christians, we have to understand that whether we know it or not, or like it or not, the world looks at us differently. Our family looks at us differently. And we now bear his name. And, uh, you know, there is a restoration that the Lord wants to bring to our lives when we've, you know, uh, you know, it may be a, a little bit of a wandering or it may be these, it may be something big. I mean, think of, you know, what we know, what happened in David's life. And uh, just to understand that restoration that the Lord has and that he leads us in the paths of righteousness. We can never look and go, well, I was, I was following the Lord and he brought me right down this path of sin. No, it's not the case at all. You know, he doesn't, he does God can't be tempted and nor does he tempt, right? You know, it, that's, that's not his way. His way is to lead us in the path of righteousness. If we find ourselves on another path, guess who's, you know, compass we were following our own moral compass instead of following the lord verse four yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me you know though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death sounds like a place i don't want to go visit you know uh, mark and i uh, today before service we're we're talking about uh, you know this museum or what a Smithsonian. We're like, hey, you know, it'd be kind of cool. Take the family and go check that out. I don't want to go to the Valley of the Shadow of Death. I don't want to like, take a, a, a flight there and book a Airbnb and go, hey, kids, now we're in the Valley of the Shadow of Death. That sound, it's not a pleasant place to be, right? You know, but date what David is saying is in that time where my life, and this is a man that understood war, that and he's going in the Valley of the Shadow of Death. I will fear no evil. You know, there, there are <clears throat> times in the scripture, you, you know, read in the book of Daniel, where the stances that, are, that were made uh, by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like, you can say and do whatever you want. We're not doing it. You know, you want to open that fire furnace right up? We're not bowing. You know, you go right ahead. You do what you want. But we're, we're going to follow the Lord. And if the Lord wants to deliver us, he will. And they get thrown into the fire. In fact, the people throwing them into the fire got burned up and died. But what did they see in there? Four, un, unbound, and a one looks like the Son of God. <laughs> wow. You know, making that stance. We know that there are uh, millions of people that have lost their lives uh, because of their uh, unwillingness to reject their faith. Um, so uh, whether it, it's, the, uh, it's that stance of, you can say and do whatever you want. We're not. We're not compromising. We're not changing. Um, you know, I will fear no evil. You know, that's that. You know what? I'm. I'm a Christian. And that's that's who I am, and I can't deny Christ. I can't say you know Jesus is not Lord. I like. I I can't say that in my heart. I can't. You know, even saying that just as an example, kind of jars me. I don't like it. You know. Um. But but to. Uh, to look back on on what the scripture says and and um, to understand who he is, um, that that point of of denying him uh, isn't an option. You know, I uh, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and they, your staff they comfort me. Now that rod, a rod of correction, it might be a, a a little you know tap on the on the butt of that thing or on its head or on its back, and, hey, what are you doing? Get over here. That should give us comfort. If we're not being corrected by the Lord, we're in big trouble. You know. But with that, that understanding that, that it says here, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
when I see that the Lord's thing there that he's used, uh, and if you look at David, uh, you know, David used that as an instrument to defeat those things that were coming to take his sheep. You know, and, and what he can say is, you know, I, all I have to do is stand behind Jesus and he's got it all set. I have to stand behind the Lord and he's going to fight my battle. You know, that, that it says here, for you are with me. I, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I, uh, you know, that that thing that was used to correct me uh, is, is something that brings me comfort. You know, that... Um, <clears throat> I know it's funny because uh, I don't remember getting spanked a whole lot as a kid. I know I did, but I, I don't really remember maybe one time that I really remember because I was like, that hurt, you know, and I didn't come out of that going my mom or dad or maybe it was a couple. I don't I really don't remember a whole lot of spankings, but it wasn't one. of. I know for a fact that I didn't look at them and go, they hate me. You know, it was why did I do what I did? And now I just got spanked. It hurts. But I always knew it was out of love. And just to be able to look and go, I know my parents would have laid their life down for me to protect me. So that rod and that, that, that rod of correction, uh, it was if we love the, that child, then we're, we're going to correct them. If we don't, then look at what we have as a nation here for kids that are left unchecked. Um, and uh, the violence we deal with in this, in this, and the uh, the disobedience to parents, the disobedience to, obedience to teachers. Oh my goodness! The conversations I've had with some teachers that are like, you would not believe what I hear and witness every day. And uh, you know, in junior high schools, junior high school, just think of they're going to grow into bigger sinner punks, uh, and, and you know, turn into just older and more wise and the ways of the world, and uh, they're going to get worse. And uh, nobody keeping them in check. We have the, the society that we're dealing with now. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even in the most scary of places, we can place our trust in the Lord and know that he is with us. And uh, understand that he doesn't, uh, you know, he's never you know, forsaken us and, and turned away from us. Now, this man that was familiar with battle can say something like this, as he does in verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. In the presence of my enemies, you can prepare a table for me. And I know that I could actually sit and, and, and just understand that the Lord is with me. He's prepared a spot for me. And uh, the, where he says you've anointed my head with oil, that you would bless me. My cup runs over. Uh, as he's saying that verse six says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I can go from the valley of shadow of death. I can be in the presence of my enemies and have peace knowing that the Lord is with me through whatever I'm facing and whatever I'm going through where it says my cup runs over. Uh, just that he he's, you know, this is a man that that had experienced many uh, riches as a king and all that. He's not talking about his earthly riches at all. He's talking about what he has in the Lord, that the Lord is his greatest treasure. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That was his goal. 
was to be with the Lord. It wasn't to, you know, he, he's already got everything, but his yearning and his desire is to walk with God and to know the Lord. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 24, another Psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Now, uh, verses 1 and 2 uh, are a declaration that everything within the world uh, and the, the earth itself belong to God. You know, the I know that the uh, the movements today are, you know, this is Mother Earth and um, we need to protect her. And uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not one that thinks we should be driving down the road, throwing trash out and, you know, being irresponsible. You know, this is this is where we live. Um, you know, I, you know, if we can do certain things that are, are practical to make what I mean, we live in a beautiful part of this country. Millions come every year to this country, this part, don't they? And if we see trash everywhere, you know, we see those things, just the responsibility that we have this, this earth is the Lord. Someday we know from the scripture, this is all going to melt away. It's going to be gone. Um, you know, do we, do we trash it and, and act uh, irresponsibly? No, but uh, just to understand that this, this all belongs to God. There, it, it's not like it's on loan um, uh, to God from the, us the, because we live here, that it somehow belongs to us. The earth is the Lord's. He created it in all its fullness. Everything in it, he created. He spoke this place into existence. He spoke everything into existence. And he grabbed those 17 elements that are in the dirt and he put them together. And here we are. You know, we're made of the same thing that's uh, that's in the dirt. You can pull out those 17 elements. They're in our and they're in us. You know, the earth and all its fullness belong to the Lord. The world and those and it says and those who dwell therein. The Lord is the creator. You know, the the fact that he made this earth and uh, creation and and all of us we have the ability to have a choice of whether we want to worship him as god or not anybody who's heard the gospel it says and those who dwell within for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters that the earth was founded upon water is that's that's you know, normally you'd think <clears throat> If we're going to build something, we're going to build it on land. But the water existed first and then came because we've, we've studied this uh, on Wednesday nights, right, of, of how the earth <clears throat> became and the waters came first. And then the Lord's putting together all the uh, all the land and everything and then things start falling into place. And uh, But to look at something like this, he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Verse 3. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord, and righteousness from God, the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him who seek your face. 
So we were going to sing, um, give us clean hands. But I couldn't, I couldn't, as you can tell, couldn't project that. And uh, so we, so we didn't, but it comes directly from Psalm 24 and uh, it, where it says, who may ascend to the hill of, of the Lord, who may stand in his whole, who may be in the presence of the Lord uh, in the Lord's presence is what this is explaining. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Now I can tell you when I look at that, uh, I can't all, I can't look back at my life and go, yeah, that was me. Clean hands, pure heart. That was me. You know, no, clean hands and pure heart because of his righteousness that he has poured out on us because of Jesus' finished work on the cross. The clean hands and pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. <clears throat> we, I, When you start getting into the Ten Commandments, you know, I am the Lord, and you shall worship me, oh, your, your God, and you shall worship me only. And uh, he he uh, forbids the worship of anything else. Now we may not set up a statue in our house uh, in in America, but my goodness, there are so many things that has been have been put in in place of or in front of any type of relationship with God that that we understand that oh this and this and, and there's idolatry all around us. We don't have the the candles, and some some places do, and some things do. But uh, overall, this nation is very much worshiping the god uh, Mammon, the false god Mammon, uh, the the <clears throat> uh, material possessions, and uh, just that that the wealth and uh, th that those things that uh, the more we get of them, the more we want of them. There's never a contentment that comes in those things. But who who can you know ascend into the hill and who may stand in his place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Those things are only going to come from having a relationship with Christ. And that we wouldn't worship any other than Jesus Christ himself. That that he would be the one uh, where it says he who has not lifted up his uh, soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, um, that we would be people of our word. Uh, James says that we should let our yes be yes and our no be no. Um, it's it's that simple, that we should be men and women of integrity and known as people that can be trusted, uh, where it says, nor sworn deceitfully. Oh, yeah, so I, I swear, how many times, and I know I've used this analogy before, how many times have you ever watched cops or any of those things? You know they've got this person on video, and the guy's like, I swear to God, on my mother's grave. And, and every time, every single time I've seen that, they are dead. They're, they're like caught guilty. When they, when they start swearing, I swear to God, I swear, it's, it's, it's the instant, like, oh, you know, they're wrong. Yeah, they're 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 guilty. They're guilty. They'll make these big declarations of "I swear, I swear." As soon as those come out, let our yes be yes and our no be no. We don't need to say "I swear, I swear." No, we can just say yes or no, and we should be able to um, answer truthfully and uh, and fulfill whatever we had agreed to or whatever it might be. But when it says swearing deceitfully. There shouldn't be deceit. Remember when the Lord saw Nathan, he said, ah, uh, Nathaniel, sorry. Uh, when, when he saw Nathaniel, I uh, said, oh, behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. You know, that's, that's, that's 
of note. You know, here we are 2,000 years later talking about it. That, that uh, when the Lord looked at him, ah, there's one of no deceit. He, that guy ended up spending three years with a deceiver uh, that betrayed the Lord and Judas Iscariot. You know, this is the exact opposite. You got one with no deceit and one that's all deceit. And they were, they were with Jesus uh, for three years. Verse 5. Um, uh, we'll, we'll go into this. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. That The blessings of the Lord and righteousness uh, from God, the righteousness from God. Um, that, that we receive any type of righteousness that we have from the Lord. Uh, we should live lives that reflect our Savior, but we need his righteousness and not our own. When, when David will uh, point to himself and say, hey, my, you know, you've seen the righteousness of, uh, in my life, and that's not a, a, a boast. He's saying, you know I'm innocent in this. I'm being accused of this, but you know that I'm, I'm innocent of this, that I have been following you, and I'm not guilty of those things. But he shall receive blessing from the Lord. So as we cling to the Lord and uh, we don't lift our, our, our souls up to idols and uh, we are people that are of our word, we are blessed by the Lord. And God, the blessings of the Lord are always going to far exceed uh, what the world has to offer uh, offer us. This is Jacob, the generation uh, of those who seek your face, uh, to seek him, who seek your face. Um, that generation, oh God, let us be. Uh, in that song where uh, where it's give us clean hands, it says, oh God, let us be a generation that seeks your face, oh God of Jacob. That's a prayer. <clears throat> Some songs we sing that are, are, are songs of uh, worship or crying out to the Lord for, you know, save me for the, the wretched sinner that I am and that you still love me. Um, this is a cry. That's a, it's a prayer to the Lord. We want to be those that, that are, are blessed by you. And we want to seek your face. Help us, Lord. God, let us be. It's, it's a cry, uh, you know, generation that seeks your face because as – you know, we've heard Will uh, talk about um, the Welsh revival and that in, in Wales, when, when there was that great revival that started from a youth group praying, that, that, it, that it went through and it spread through the whole nation, that people just were not sinning. And they, 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 weren't, they weren't breaking the law and everything that they had to figure out what to do with all the cops. So they're singing like tra they're creating these traveling quartets to, to go around and entertain people. You know, it, when, when God does something amazing, uh, it, it, there's no man, uh, woman that can bring something and say, oh, yeah, you know, I've got the, it's it's no. You know what? We just prayed and God uh, God caused the revival. The big tent revival uh, mindset that, hey, we're all going to get together and we're going to cause the revival to happen. It, 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 revival comes from bowing our hearts and saying, forgive me, Lord, uh, you know, for I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. That's where the restoration comes. And then from there comes new life, comes uh, the the uh, the rejuvenation uh, that uh, that that fullness, the restoration that we read in Psalm 23 comes from God. It doesn't say, all right, we're going to restore ourselves. Everybody got their spiritual hammers and, and nails and sheetrock and everything. We're going to rip the whole thing down and we're going to build it back up. We'll get some two by sixes and two by eights and we're going to, we're going to build it up really strong. Yeah. On the sand uh, because we're doing it of our own selves. 
But when the Lord does something, it's it's powerful. It's it's on the rock, and the wind's going to blow, and the storm's going to come. But because it's founded in the Lord, it's going to stand. And uh, so that a gener that this generation would seek your face. That's a that's a, you know the generation of those who seek Him, who seek your face. That we would pray that the church would seek His face, and that when the church is renewed and and we go and we're ministering to those around us. And hey, I, I heard something really cool at work today. And then that person's going and they're taking the good news home. And then they're taking it and it, and it, that that's how revival happens. It just spreads, and it's all based on the goodness of God. You know, it all comes from what God does. Let me tell you what God did. Right? Remember. Paul and Silas, they're in prison, and they're praying, and they're, they're lifting up psalms, and, and uh, the Philippian jailer is ready to, to, to kill himself, and they go, and they, no, 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 and, and he's like, all right, what, what's the trick here? And, and he receives the Lord, and come, come to my family's house, and they minister to him and washing their, their wounds and everything, and the whole family uh, gets saved. It just spreads. The gospel spreads like wildfire. When it's truly rooted within us, and and it and it just come, it has to come out of us when we've when we've accepted the Lord and He is <clears throat> He's working in our lives. He it has to come out when the Holy Spirit's in us. He's going to use us. Lift up, verse seven. Lift up your heads, <clears throat> O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of Glory shall come in. Who is this King of Glory? The Lord. Strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. Lift up your everlasting doors, and the King of Glory shall come in. There's the that that poetic repetition of uh, what's being said. Who is this King of Glory? The Lord of Hosts. He is the King of Glory. David, when he came back from his battle, remember we've talked about this. When David came back from battle, everybody's out there to, to greet him. Saul has killed his thousands, and David is ten thousands. That is glory. You know, when he comes back, that glory there and and David understood glory. And he's saying, Who is the king of glory? You know, he he could have demanded that all worship him. He could have taken that sinful role as a king, but he understood who he was and he understood who God is. And he says, Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. If you don't know the song by third day and you don't have the album offerings, the first one, it's probably my favorite album of all time for like my whole life. When I pl plug that, that album in, a third day offerings, it's the second album I ever bought, Christian album, maybe the first one. Uh, it was either that or um, um, Audio Adrenaline. And I had the kid flexing on the front, and I can't remember what it was. It was kind of a silly, silly album. It was pretty cool. I had some funny songs. So, you know, right? right. So Corey's nodding his head. Yeah, I know that one. It's a um, – it was one of those two. And I remember at the base exchange, on uh, that's a, which is just a store on base, like a, a Walmart on base, over in Italy. And uh, Jen and I had just – started following the Lord together uh, as a family, just us, and, and we had been uh, newly married, and we were in the church all the time And uh, because of what the Lord had moved in both of our hearts, and we were just getting so blessed. And it was one of those things like, 
God's feeding us with a fire hose and, and, you know, we're just getting so, we're so blessed and uh, we're there every time. Uh, men's study, women's study, uh, pre-church uh, uh, Sunday school, we were at a Baptist church over there. Uh, and, and God is just building us and everything. And I'm like, I need Christian music. Um, because I went from my nineties, um, hip hop and grunge. And I'm like, I probably shouldn't be blasting this, you know, into my ears and, and, uh, especially not the, the, the rap, um, because that just had, you know, uh, it just filth. And, uh, so I was convicted and, uh, the Lord was, was changing, my um, my music library, and then I kind of moved on a little bit of country, and I'm like, all right, this isn't so overtly uh, crazy, but there's still the same message of you know whatever the world has to offer. It's just in a twang, you know, and with an acoustic guitar rather than bass, and you know all those things. It's the same thing, but anyways, uh, so I needed an album, and um, I um, I was talking to a guy. He was a uh, we knew him as Slim. And uh, he was a uh, he was an F-15 pilot, long retired now. Um, and uh, he uh, he was an elder in the church, and uh, he was a mentor to me. And uh, we were on a trip to um, uh, Croatia. We were going to visit there uh, to minister to a group of Bosnian refugees, and uh, we played. He played that album. And I'm listening to who is this king of glory. And I'm like, what is this? You know, and it's just it's a very soft song and it, it breaks into a chorus singing with Mac Powell. And, and but it's all about who is Jesus. You know, his name is Jesus. Who is the king of glory? His name is like it's it's arguably my favorite song. Um, and uh, so if you don't have it, buy it. But not right now. Not right now, but maybe right after church. Uh, put it in, you know, go to iTunes and, and download it or whatever. But who is the King of Glory? Uh, the Lord of Hosts. He is the King of Glory. You know, this is a man that experienced glory of the battlefield and and stood as King. Uh, but who does he say is the actual King of Glory? God. You know, uh, this was this was a man that understood that even though he's King, he's nothing. Uh, in comparison to God. And, uh, you know, and none of us in here are kings or queens uh, of, an earthly, of an earthly suit, uh, but understanding who he is, uh, that he is the king of glory. Let's go into 25. We're going to get three done. <clears throat> to you, O Lord, this is another one that Third Day so, uh, did uh, on the same album, by the album. Uh, and I'm not going to, yeah, anyways, uh, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O Lord, uh, sorry, O my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. Now, this is going to sound pretty similar to some of the other Psalms, and it, they, they, they do, but as David was going through things, he would write and he dealt with people that would deal treacherously and he would witness and he'd hear all these things. But when he says to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul uh, in, Oh my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. And uh, wh where would that shame come from? Let not my enemies triumph over me that they would shame me. Oh yeah. You know, so great. You know, you trust in your God. Where's your God now? Uh, and he's, he's always saying, that I place my trust in you. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed. So, you know, on the other side, the ones that are waiting on you, 
Let, let those be blessed. Let the ones that are dealing treacherously, let those be ashamed. Let them be exposed for uh, you know what's going on, the sin in their life, the sin in their hearts. So he's, he's just saying the two opposites. You know, let those who trust in you be blessed and let those uh, who are dealing treacherously uh, uh, be the ones that should be ashamed, it says in the end of verse 3. This is uh, this is a prayer here. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. That could be a, a, a prayer that we could say every morning. We could wake up and say, Lord, teach me your ways. Uh, you know, show me your ways. Teach me uh, your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. Just that. It, God, don't don't let me get caught up in whatever is going around. Uh, you know, let's let's uh, keep my eyes focused on you. Teach me more about you. Show me your ways. Teach me your paths. When we think that we've got it, we're in trouble. You know, <laughs> you know. Yes, we should be able to stand and go. You know what? The Lord has brought me from here to here, and I stand in Him. But if we go, yeah, I got it all figured out. We're already falling. You know, we're already in trouble when we when we start getting into that mindset. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. That we would trust in the Lord and wait on him. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness, for they are from old. Do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. That right there, you know, when we look at it and go, do not remember the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. It's that youth. I What I want to do in my youth, because when we get older, we should be getting wiser, right? We should be where, where the scripture says that the gray hair is a sign of wisdom. You know, <laughs> I, I uh, you know, military for 24 years, I... Um, I uh, never really got to grow out my, my facial hair. And uh, last year, uh, um, yeah, twenty. this is 2022. So 2021, I, try, I tried uh, uh, at the end of it, this is the last half, of it, I tried to grow this out and everything. And, um, and I'm like, huh, I got some gray in there. It's just making me look older. Why would I want to do this? And there are certain things I didn't like about it. Um, and I didn't know what to do with it. So I just ended up shaving it off. And, uh, and then I've been clean shaven. So then I got sick here a few weeks ago and I didn't shave, you know, I'd shower. I'm like, I'm not shaving. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going right back to bed or the couch. So I decided not to shave, but as it grew, grew back, I'm like, ah, there are old faithful grays right here. And, you know, right. They're here, you know, but to understand the scripture, what's that? Distinguished. There you go. Distinguished. But to understand these are signs of wisdom that we, that we have been through things. That in our foolishness, in our because when we're young, we know everything, right? And when we're young, we pursue whatever we want. And I'm going to take the world uh, captive, and I'm going to put it in my pocket. And I, I've got, I own everything. I've got everything, you know, figured out here. And David is saying, "Remember, remember your." I love that your tender mercies and your loving kindness. That God is so merciful. That tender hand of our shepherd. You know, sometimes we need the whack from the, the, the rod of correction, but God's hand is so tender and he's so merciful. You know, just understanding how much he loves us and how, how, how tender he is. Um, I didn't, I never enjoyed spanking my kids, 
but I'm so glad I'm past the point that I need to. You know, I mean, they're they, sometimes they're, they're still um, they're, they need correction here or there. But I hated spanking my kids. I hated causing pain on that little bare butt, you know, when they when they needed it. But they knew we would have a discussion before and after uh, while they're getting a spanking and spank them. And as they're wiping their tears, give them a big hug, say, I love you. And I don't ever want to do that again. But I understood that that I, if I don't do that, then I'm disobeying the scriptures and I'm not helping them. And to remember the tender mercies of how tender that you know God does not want us to go through a hard time uh, of of correction, but He's faithful to take us through it. He doesn't want us to experience all the hard things in life. He His Word. Is, is there to guide us away from those things that are going to cause the hardship in our life. But we might drag ourselves right through it. I know better, and I'm going to go there, and the Lord in his tender mercy will, will bring us back. But I, I love how David says, your tender mercies, your loving. Sometimes we get the smack from God, like, whoa, okay, attention, yeah, I, I got you. You know? But we always understand if we understand God and we understand the scriptures, that it's his tender mercies. It's because he's so merciful in his loving kindness because he didn't. if he didn't love us, he'd let us go on to destruction. He's correcting us. Do not remember the sins of my youth nor my, my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake, O oh Lord. Just because you're good, please remember uh, you know, your, your uh, tender mercies. Uh, According to your mercy, remember me. All that stuff I ask you to forget, but just remember it. When you see me, see your mercy on me. That's what we want. We want the mercy of the Lord to be what he sees. Verse 8, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice. And the humble he teaches his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. To such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Good and upright is the Lord. Now, that's something that should always be established in our hearts. That the God, God is upright and he's good. It, it, to, to accuse God that he's not upright or he's done something wrong. Or, or he is sinning against us, we are 100% always going to be wrong. Because there, there is no uh, sin in the Lord, and there's no uh, unfaithfulness found in him. He's good, and he is upright. He's not evil, and he's not wicked. Sorry, uh, the upright. He's, he's, he, that, that uprightness, that he stands in righteousness. You know, therefore, he teaches sinners the way. When we've accepted him, he teaches us his ways. There's that. Uh, so when we're having, I understand it's a Sunday night crowd, and I know all of us here, that, that we would have it, his mercy and his grace on our lips and be able to share this with, with those that may not understand that, yeah, I, that all sounds great, but I don't know how to change. I don't know. We, I can say this prayer, for them, but I'm not going to change. I don't know how to defeat this. And we can take them even to a scripture like this and say, he teaches sinners the way. He teaches. You don't need to understand it all. Understand 
that he loves you and he wants to change you. And he's the one that teaches his Holy Spirit, right? Because Jesus said, I will send, uh, he's, he's telling us he's going to send the Spirit to teach us, to lead us, to guide us. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling us and we can take them to the teachings of Jesus and say that we have the Holy Spirit to teach us, to, to show us the scriptures, to explain them to us, to pray for us when we don't know what we ought to pray. You know, just understand that that God having uh, giving us all that we need, the humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. It's not talking about the arrogant. It's talking that one that's willing to humble themselves before him. This was a man that humbled himself as king uh, before the Lord, and he he's sharing his own life experiences that as he humbled himself, God guide him and guided him in justice and teached him, uh, taught him his ways. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. All of them, and uh, to such as keep His covenant and His testimonies. For Your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. So He goes when He says here. Uh, you know, all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, that we can understand that coming from God, we're going to experience mercy and truth coming from him. And we can build our life on the mercy and truth of the Lord and following his path to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. If we want that mercy, if we want to embrace the truth, then we're going to experience his blessings. And, you know, for your name's sake, O Lord, Pardon my iniquity, for it is great. David is saying, I want the mercy. I want all this. I want the truth to reign in my life. And God, you know that I am a sinner and I can come to you. And uh, we, we know David, David committed murder, committed adultery. He was very wrong at times in his life. But he could write something like this, understanding that the Lord has restored him and, and changed his life. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. As we keep the go and look at Psalm 119. It's a lot of verses, 150 verses, I think, in Psalm 119. It's all about the word of the Lord. Like every verse, your statutes, your law, your word. And it all takes us back to where it says to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. The importance of, of the word reigning in our lives. But the Lord is going to keep us on his paths. I would rather be on the path of mercy and truth than everything else because that world will eat us. It was like a, like a meat grinder uh, in, in, uh, of lies just grinding us up and, and has its way with us. And, and we, uh, we don't want to go down that road. Verse 12, who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall, uh, him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. There's a, there's a lot contained within those verses here. You know, who is the man who fears the Lord? Him shall he teach uh, you know, the person that fears the Lord, God is going to teach. We don't ever have to wonder, like, if I'm following the Lord, is he going to teach me his ways? It's in the scripture. 
that as we follow him and we fear him and we submit our lives to him, he is going to be the one that teaches. It says, in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity and his descendants shall inherit the earth. That prosperity, that, that we have descendants, that the Lord promised somebody even like Abraham from our Old Testament study where we're in Genesis. And the Lord is just saying, just follow me, me and your descendants, and you're going to be blessed. What do we see in Israel's times as they turn away from the Lord? Things get bad. As they turn to the Lord, he restores them and they experience victory in their lives. He's so faithful to do that. When they turn, nope, we need to be corrected and brings them back. And we can learn from that. That prosperity that comes from the Lord uh, is, uh, is a result of us fearing him, not declaring to the Lord what he's going to give to us. You know, that 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 blab it, grab it, name it, claim it uh, thing that can be said there. I am going to, God is going to provide for me this and that. And nope. It says right here, he himself shall dwell in, des uh, in prosperity and his descendants shall inherit the earth. That person who fears the Lord. And let's the Lord be in charge of their lives. Verse 14, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him uh, and he will show them his covenant. That's an amazing one right there. The secret of the Lord that when we understand God, there are several times that we'll have conversations with loved ones, co-workers, people that we know, friends, family, uh, people from town or what that don't understand. Why do you go to church every week? Every You have to go to church every Sunday, really. And they don't understand that. No, you have to understand the secret of the Lord is, is with us now. And the Lord has shown us his covenant that as we're walking with him, that, that we have that the, our eyes have been opened to who God is. It's a, he's no longer a, a, um, a mystery to us. The see, everything's been open to us and we can, we can understand who he is and we can have a relationship with him. And, uh, he, it says, and he will show them his covenant, the, the deal he wants to make with us, which is all benefits us, you know, and all we have to do is follow him and, uh, that, that he reveals, uh, those secrets to us. My eyes are ever toward the Lord for he shall pluck my feet from the net. That David is, is saying, I may, I may, that net of sin that can be thrown out in, in front of us that can ensnare us or something, uh, they, you know, he can, he can probably speak of this from a physical standpoint and from a spiritual standpoint, but he understands that it's the Lord that as we keep our eye, he says, my eyes are ever toward the Lord. As long as I'm seeking the Lord and I'm reaching out to him, remember, um, what we saw in Peter's life when he steps out of the Lord, he, Lord, call me out to the water. And as soon as he started looking away, that's when he started experiencing that sinking and, and, and the failure. We see the failure of, of his faith right there in the Lord. You know, you know, and the Lord says, I, what, paraphrasing, like we had it all set, you know, and the Lord reaches out to him. And, and when you looked around and you saw all the circumstances, instead of keeping our eyes on him, when we keep our eyes on him, all the, the surrounding stuff, those nets that are set for it, they don't matter because we know we're walking with the Lord. And, and if we're following him and our heart is set on him, we're not going to go down the path that's, that's set to ensnare us. You know, when you can read in, in Proverbs of, of the adulteress calling, uh, call, hey, come with me. And, and, and then we see the death that's at the end of that. 
that, that, oh, you know, she dolls herself all up and everything and just the victim after victim after victim. And and that Solomon's using that poetic way that sin would draw us in. And as sin draws us in, its ultimate goal is destruction, death. You know, it's uh, no, I'd rather keep my eyes focused on the Lord than be caught in the net. Turn yourself toward me. And have mercy on me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Bring me out of my distress. Look on my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. You notice he's, he'd call out to the Lord and he's quick to say, forgive my sins. Forgive my sin. Don't remember them. And we've read these uh, in, in these as we're, as we're going through, specifically in Psalm 25. Don't remember the sins and the transgressions of my youth. And how many times? And then in verse 11, he says, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. You know, and, and he goes uh, here, he says, turn yourself to me. You know, that we don't want to experience that when the Lord says, okay, you want to go that way? Okay, I'm going to let you go that way. And when, because if you look at verse five, my eyes are ever toward the Lord. If our eyes are toward him, we don't want to see him. And the only way he's going to turn away from us is if we tell him to. He's that much of a gentleman that if we tell him, hey, you know what? I don't, I don't want you in my life. And we, we usually aren't going to do that verbally. We're just going to do that because no, I wanted this and I want to do this. And I'm going to put this, uh, you know, relationship I have with God on the shelf. And as we turn, okay, go ahead and experience that. And when you go and you spin, you go through, like I said earlier, the meat grinder, because you took your eyes off of me, you're going to experience these things. He says, turn yourself to me. I, I, I want your eyes set up. We want God's eyes set on us uh, and have mercy on me for I am desolate and afflicted. <clears throat> I got <clears throat> the troubles of my heart have enlarged. Bring me out of my distress. Those troubles, as we as if we turn our eyes away from the Lord, the troubles start getting like we talked about earlier. When when Peter's eyes kept, uh, they weren't focused on Jesus. All he could see was the trouble around him. I see all these storms here, and it brought about great distress in his life. Look on my affliction and my pain, and forgive my sins, Lord. If this is a result of my sins. Please, in your mercy and your loving kindness, look upon me. Uh, that that uh, asking of the Lord. Verse 19, consider my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. Uh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. Let the integrity of my uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. So, you know, consider my enemies, for they are many, and they're cruel and full of hatred. You know, this is a man that that physically had those enemies. Now, for us, um, uh, we can sometimes be our own worst enemy. Uh, but understanding the enemy that we have, uh, the enemy of our soul, sin. Uh, also, that that sin, how cruel sin is. That if that if we allow sin to rule and reign in our heart, how much it we we think we're gaining. I'm, joy, I'm, I'm enjoying this. You know, this is fulfilling and this is this is satisfying. And then it gets to that point where, wait a minute, this is taking over now. And we, and we see it for what it is. Uh, and, and what it's done is it now has that foothold, that 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 snare hold on us. And I can't move forward. I'm stuck here and I'm, I'm caught in the trap now. And and when David is, is saying, just just save me, help me. 
uh, you know, don't remember my sins and consider my, my enemies, uh, you know, and they hate me with cruel hatred. We can we can make ourselves, you know, uh, like I, I I think Will yeah Will shared with us before. If Gail Irwin, uh, he's a he's a great pastor. Uh, he uses a lot of, of humor in his teaching. He says every day I wake up and I look at the enemy in the mirror every day. You know, he just you know I see the enemy in the mirror. You know, because hey, how much do we cause ourselves? Um, you know, there are times where we do have people that are, are uh, maybe in our workplace or, or in our lives that are kind of uh, have that, uh, that thing out to get us or whatever, that we can trust in the Lord and, and, and make a prayer like this. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed for I put my trust. You know, um, I'm, I'm innocent of whatever uh, I'm being accused of or, um, you know, the, these guys are, you know, making fun of me at, at work or, or um, you know, in the family. Oh, here they come, you know, they're the Christians or whatever. Oh, Lord, let me not be ashamed. You know, because I put my trust in you. These guys, you know, may may uh, be set here, but we can put our faith and trust in the Lord. Uh, verse uh, verse twenty one. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. So on the other side, he's begging for God's mercy and His loving kindness and calling, confessing his sin, but he's saying, let integrity, that ability to do right, to do the right thing, and uprightness preserve me. For I wait on, I wait for you. Preserve me with integrity. Those things that are right. These guys may have it out for me and everything. Preserve me, where he says, uh, let integrity and uprightness preserve me. That preservative, so it doesn't go rotten. That we put in food, so it doesn't decay and everything. Let those things that that sustain my life be integrity and uprightness. Uh, you know, for I wait for you, he says. Verse 22, he finishes it out. Redeem Israel, O God, out of their troubles. That he would stand. He's interceding for Israel in this prayer. He, the prayer is all about him and what he's going through, but he's also including Israel. Redeem Israel, O, o God, out of all their troubles. As a good leader, he is praying for those that he's leading. A lot of lessons, and we made it through three chapters tonight three psalms a lot of lessons let's pray father we are blessed by your word we're blessed by your loving kindness god that you are the good shepherd that you that you love us and that you bring deliverance and forgiveness lord that you are the king of glory lord that we would constantly humble ourselves in your presence as we can learn from king david a man that was uh, in a great uh, position of power on earth, but he understood who he was in your eyes and still cried out for your mercy and trusted in you uh, in the face of enemies and the restoration uh, that you had for him. Uh, That's the same restoration you have for us as we come to you. We praise you. We love you. We thank you. Please be with us as we leave this place tonight. Bless us, go with us in the week to come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace and peace to you all. Have a great week.